It's the third Thursday of the month, and we're off the bricks and on the air. You're listening to a poetry podcast from Brick Street Poetry. Welcome to Off the Bricks, Poets and Poetry Lovers. This week, I have with me Helmut Habercom and Norbert Croft here to have a discussion about dialect poetry. Gentlemen, I'll let you take it from here. I thought that we would just kick it off, Helmut, with the poem Identity. I just want to say that we met back in 1988 and 89 at the University of Erlangen and have been close buddies ever since. But let's start with the poem Identity. Okay. Identity. Where I come from, what my name is, who I look like, who I take after, what they promised me, what grabbed me, what swept me along, what I have seen, what I have been, what I have learned, who I've met, what I've been through, what I know, what I can do, what I know well. What I do, what I say, what I think to myself, what is deep within me, what makes me different, what's on my mind, what I've saddled myself with, what I've caught, brought upon myself, what they did to me, how I begin something, what is my business, what matters to me, what I accept responsibility for, what I pinch and scrape for, but what I was, I am no more. What I am, I won't remain. What I'd like to be, I am not yet. Ah, what do I know? Yes, that's the English version. And here is the Franconian dialect original. Identität. Wurde herkum, wie haas, wem ich gleich sich, wem ich was mein Kasen hem, was mir backt, was mir mitgenommen hat, was ich gesehen hab, wo ich gewesen bin, was ich gelernt hab, wen ich getroffen hab, was ich erlebt hab, was ich war's, was ich kann, was ich kenn, was ich do, was ich such, was er mir denk, was tief drin hockt, was mir ausmacht, was mir nachgeht, was er mir aufkalzt, was er mir kalt hab, was mir auch da hem. Mit was ich was anfange, was mir was angeht, aus was ich mir was mach, für was ich groß stehe, für was ich mich grummelig, aber was ich war, bin ich nicht mehr, was ich bin, bleibe ich nicht, was ich sei, mechert, bin ich noch nicht, ach, was war's denn ich? Okay, well, Helmut, when we met, you were finishing a PhD in, uh, your specialty was contemporary British poetry. And you uh, grew up on a farm. So what moved you to start writing poems in Middle Franconian, Middle Frankish dialect, as you were about to put PhD work behind you? It seems like in some ways, to some people, that would be a big leap. Yeah, that's right. I mean, there was, I think it, there was a kind of tension within me, the tension between my, my background my rural origin, the farming community where I came from, and the new world of letters, of literature, poetry, and so on. 
And uh, somehow this tension led me to, to write about what was in my past, in my, on my mind. And I tried out standard German and I found out it's not the adequate form of language. And then when I was in Wales as a student, when I um, stumbled over Anglo-Welsh poetry, I discovered that this kind of rural language I grew up with is the ideal, the adequate language to write about my past, my family, my community. And that was the beginning of it. And then there, there was the first award in 89, and that was the kind of initiation in uh, dialect poetry. So you, you were really wanting to hold on to your past and your, your identity in that sense. Right, uh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, I also thought I'd ask, what led you to begin writing plays in your dialect? Was it the same purpose or was it slightly different? Did you just start to write plays or did someone come to you for a play or what? Well, I got commissioned to write a play that was the beginning in the mid-90s when uh, the theater in Erlangen communal theater, they had an actor who wanted to stage a play in dialect, but they didn't have a play. So they asked me to write one, which I did, and it was a big success in 96. And uh, I got to know the, the actor, Vinnie Witkob, and he's my colleague, my musician and actor colleague since then. Normally I get commissioned, I get prompted to write a play for a certain troupe or group or company or for the State Theatre in Nuremberg because they need a play in dialect. There is no point in writing a dialect play unless you have um, adequate and suitable actors and actresses. That's the problem. There are not too many around here. So normally I get commissioned, I get asked to write one, and um, that's the way to do it. And normally I have uh, one actor, three actors or five actors, rather small troops, and um, that's ideal for writing something that is based on oral tradition, on the vernacular of people, of spoken language. That's the way I would see it. So did they give you your subject matter, as it were? And if so, how much input did you have to make a change, let's say? Well, my task is the language, the form of the play. Before I start writing, uh, there's always a kind of teamwork, a kind of working together and planning a play uh, based on a certain subject matter, a certain topic, a certain character on stage. And then we play around and find some kind of um, storyline, some kind of plot, and then I start writing. Normally, I add some songs or song lyrics to the play because music is a wonderful addition to a play in dialect because with music and um, lyrics, you get to the emotions of the, of the audience so much more, well, directly, I would say. I'm, I'm fascinated by your discovery of Bob Dylan songs on the radio in your Franconian farmhouse. You were a teenager then. What, what was it? that grabbed you about him and the language of his songs? Well, it all started with this uh, song, Blown in the Wind, which was on a tape I got when I was, I think, 13 or so. And uh, when I was grabbed by Bob Dylan's seriousness in the first place, I mean, there was this young guy, 21, 22, but his voice was so much older than, uh, so much more mature and very serious. And I could feel that there is more depth to it, more profound meaning to the lyrics than uh, just the music. 
And uh, so I started to look for other songs and I, I came upon uh, With God on Our Side and um, Masters of War and It's All Over Now, Baby Blue, Chimes of Freedom and so on. And all these songs prove that pop music or rock music can be much more than only music to entertain you. It can be something that is poetry, really, that can grab you and touch your heart and your mind just as well. Okay, good. Well, you released a collection of 77 dialect adaptations and translations for the occasion of Bob Dylan's 80th birthday in May. I want to jump to two stanzas from his very popular song, Make You Feel My Love. And I will read the first stanza in English, and then you read it in your dialect, and we'll do the same with the second, and then I'll ask you a couple of questions. All right. It's, it's hard for me to read it without trying to sing it. I keep hearing. <laughs> Same with me. Yeah. So make you feel my love. When the rain is blowing in your face and the whole world is on your case, I could offer you a warm embrace to make you feel my love. Hast du ständig Wind und Regen im Gesicht? Siehst du vor Angst bei Gorka Licht? Na kriegst von mir Erwärm und Zuversicht, das spürst, wie ich dich lieb. When the evening shadows and the stars appear, and there is no one there to dry your tears, I could hold you for a million years to make you feel my love. Wenn's da lans bist, nachts und Gorkan hast, Wenn's greiner musst und kein Ausweg wast, na heid ich dich und ich droch dein Last, das spürst, wie ich dich lieb. So, this is one of his more romantic love songs. The language in that second verse gets more romantic about the shadows and the stars and then the million years. What was it like? Did you have to do a constant process when you were doing those 77 versions? But was it a challenge to somehow or other match your earthy dot rural dialect to Dylan's music? Well, I mean, I always try to be as close, as truthful to the original as possible. That was my main rule of thumb, so to speak. Then I tried to find the adequate mood, the adequate words and um, phrasing and syntax for the different lines and songs. And, um, and I wanted to be as authentically Franconian as possible. So I had to change some bits and pieces. For example, in Desolation Row, I couldn't write about Ezra Pound and T.S. Eliot fighting in the captain's tower. I had to change that to uh, Bertolt Brecht and Hermann Hesse because they are German figures in our culture, so to speak. And here with Make You Feel My Love, I, uh, some phrases um, in the song were a little bit too romantic for, for me and my dialect. So I changed them. For example, this, uh, I could hold you for a million years. That's in, in my line. I will hold you and I will carry your burden. Because I, I needed a rhyme with hast, wast, lust. Mm -hmm. And uh, this was the closest I could get to the meaning of the song, the mood of the song. I will carry your, your weight, your burden, what you have on your, on your mind, on your soul. I will carry that with you. And this is uh, not that romantic because romanticism is, is, is nothing that is really ingrained in Franconian dialect. That makes perfect sense to me. And uh, translating is all, always a kind of 
not just translating into a different language, the words in a different language, but also adapting it to the culture is what you're having to do. And probably there's more adaptation for a dialect version than there would be for standard German, I guess. But I wanted to mention before we're going to later on, we're going to mention a little bit about James Whitcomb Riley, our Hoosier dialect poet. But when he was a young one, Riley was in a medicine show that traveled around Indiana and he played fiddle and guitar and drums. And he was a very good performer. And I think that helped him later on after he started to write the poetry. He and Mark Twain, who was a great performer and humorist, uh, did some shows together. And eventually Twain just had to drop out because Riley was too much of a good performer for him. He just, you know, uh, it was too much competition. Uh, by the way, one other question about the dialect before we go on to a, a Brecht poem is that you have mentioned in an interview that writing in the dialect brought you closer to your father. Could you say a little bit about that for, for us? Yeah, sure. Um, my father, or my parents, I should say, were uh, dairy farmers in a little country village in the Eichgrund and in, in the countryside here in uh, the northern part of Bavaria, which is called Franconia. This is the place where I grew up. And uh, my father was a soldier in the Second World War in the German Wehrmacht. And he was 17 when he was, uh, when he was um, made a soldier and sent to Normandy in France. And he was an eyewitness, so to speak, uh, during the D-Day invasion of uh, France by the Allied forces. And um, he, uh, thankfully, he always told me about his experiences and his, his, um, his uh, angst and his uh, his um, shock when he he saw and met his uh, his first comrade who was killed and he had to carry him back to the doctors and he wasn't fast enough so he he died more or less uh, on his shoulder and this experience was something that united me with my father on the one hand but on the other hand he was a soldier. He was in Hitler's army. That was something that estranged me from my father in a certain way. And he could be rather tough and rather um, hard-mouthed about um, this experience and, and his uh, male outlook on life and war and peace and democracy and so on. So um, I had a certain distance to my father. But when I started writing dialect poems, I wrote about my family, my parents, uh, my childhood, my youth, and the past in the village. The Hitler time, for example, was one of the subjects I covered. And I found out when I was with my father in, in Normandy in 1990 that he was just a 17-year-old who was thrown into the war to make terrible, awful experiences. And so uh, I found out that there is much more to my father than I, than I uh, initially thought. And uh, I could sense his emotions, his, um, his fear, and uh, all these different deep feelings united or reunited me with my father. Oh, good. That's, uh, that's a very heartwarming story. I think we'll move on to a poem by Bertolt Brecht now. Maybe we can talk about what you had to do to adapt this for a poem in, in the dialect. Right, right. It, it's, a good, it's a good connection because uh, it's about my father again. Mm -hmm. Okay, here we go. New tires on after Bertolt Brecht. I am on the front step beside the shoe scraper. My father is putting on the winter tires. I don't want to go where I am from right now. 
I don't want to go where I want to go to either. The best thing would be to lend a hand and help put the tires on. I just remain sitting there though and keep my mouth shut and watch not knowing what I want. Look, that's the tires on already. My father waves, I drive off. Okay. That's it. Yeah. Okay, here is the Franconian dialect version. Naja, Reifen drauf. Ich hock auf der Staffel am Ostrafer dotten. My father, do die Winterreifen nachschraum. Wo ich herkomm, moche net grot na. Wo ich hi will, moche ja net grot na. Es gescheitste wär, ich langert mit na. Und dat helft dazu beim Schraum. Aber so hock ich bloß da. Und halt mein Goschen und schau und weiß nicht, was ich mechert. Sixt, jetzt sind die Reifen auch schon dran. Mein Vater winkt, ich vor davor. So, how did you, how did you uh, come to a Bertolt Brecht to get to your father here? This is interesting. Yeah, I mean, uh, this little poem by Brecht was uh, written in 1953 when there was this um, uprising in Eastern Germany against the communist um, regime. And um, he wrote this little poem in a time um, when he was very uncertain. He says in, his, in this little poem, in the original, he says, I do not like the place I have come from. I do not like the place I am going to. And he, what he means is, or uh, the interpretation that is often uh, given is that he came from the Nazi time, from Hitler's regime, and he was going to socialism, communism, the communist future, so to speak. And he, he didn't like the two of them. So he was in between. And um, my, the feeling of being in between uh, or being on the side Besides someone, that was the connection with this um, little poem of mine where I um, describe my father. He does the work and I am just the, the son sitting on the steps watching him doing nothing. And this was for me a kind of a symbol of my generation. The older generation, the elders, they did the work, they toiled, they labored um, for us to have a better life. And we are well, we have the benefits of, of wealth and uh, peace and uh, freedom. All these things they didn't have when they were young. Okay, good. Well, uh, that brings up in my mind uh, James Whitcomb Riley again. And you and I did a reading in the visitor center of the Riley home there. And uh, Riley has a strong sense of place like you. He gives character portraits, which you do sometimes. And he speaks in the language of the folk, everyday reality, you know, the, the old swimming hole and oh, mm -hmm. various things like that. How, what was it like for you to read there uh, in the, the dialect home, the home of the, of the most important, probably Amer American dialect poet? Did, or did you not think about that as you were there and we were having fun that night? Oh, it, it was very, very um, important to me. And I even wrote a little poem about this. Uh, maybe you remember that visiting James Whitcomb Riley in Indy. Uh, and one of the stanzas goes like this. And this is exactly what you asked me. Mm -hmm. What a joy to fill this place with exotic sounds in my native tongue derived from my farming folks. 
a dialect restricted and reduced, but resonant and rich, full of sound and rhythm, earth, life, and soul. This is language close to its wellspring, spoken word, storytelling, oral tradition. It slurs, drops, and condenses parts and pieces, stunning us with odd words and pithy sayings. So that's my my, my memory of this um, of this uh, event. And um, well, Riley is important to me because he, he, his poetry is um, based on sound and music and rhythm. And you can hear that when you read this um, poetry aloud. It's it's poetry for the ears, just as well as for the eyes. Yes, good. Well, I think I'm gonna we're gonna go on for a fourth poem to uh, your sauciest poem, I think I know. <laughs> my venison with cherry sauce, my marinated quail. You're my venison with cherry sauce, my marinated quail. I love your muscle chowder, adore your tender kale. Your bannocks love turn out just swell, as spandabby as they're dozy. They melt in your mouth, just let's cuddle up and cozy. My lamb shant, my clapshot soup, my gutsy claret gravy, my candy floss, my sherbet dab, my real honey souffle, your lady finger décolleté, puff pastry negligé. I can feel something rising, or as they say, way hey, come on and puree me, blanch me, poach me, strain me, let me glaze your garnish, your candy, your flambe, your, your grinning like a paradise slice on my mammy's table, and here's me all mustard zing, believe me doll, I'm able. Telling you darling, I could die of sheer lust, drop what you're doing, I need to see that bus, come join me on the sofa, no, I won't be nonplussed, it's just not cookery book, it's not just cookery books, I've got the comma sutra sus. <laughs> yeah, um, this is uh, actually the um, the result of uh, my reading of a gourmet cookery book in Franconian uh, or in, um, in in German, in standard German. And I thought, well, how poetic is this language to describe what we eat? Mm. And eating and loving goes together very well, as we all know. So this is my Franconian version of it. My Madeira Wachtel und my Wachoidere. Du bist mein Madeira-Wachtel und mein Wachäuderi. Ich mag, mag dein Weichselmus und dein Weinschelee. Dein Kiegle sind Pfunde rausbacken und wunder wie schee. Die schmecken so zart wie die Deible von Ninifee. Mein Grautwiggerler, mein Goldschnittler, mein Quittensorbet. Mein Zuckerschoden, mein Feierspots, mein Honigsoufflé. Dein Biskuit de Colté, dein Blätterdach ne Klischee. Wie beim Backpulver trappt's mir mein Dach in die Hee. Komm, blanchier me, boschier me, bassier me, berier me. Komm, ich glasierte, garnierte, kandierte, flambierte. Ach, du grinst wie ein Käskung noch ein Backen. Ich bin scharf, wieder rede ich von am Kossacken. Ich kenne nicht Verlust, hier vergeh. Komm, lass alles legen und steh. Gehne her aufs Kanapé, und du da gleich, katzo mir weh. All right. <lacht> Okay, well, we have one more poem we're going to do, and that's a short one. And I want to say that this is a poem you wrote in your dialect, uh, and then you actually translated it into English. And it's about coming somewhere else to some other country and discovering who you really are, what, 
how much you are of the place where you grew up. And I related it because we have had three years of living in Germany, one when I was teaching, once in England on an exchange and twice in, uh, in Germany, and especially in Erlangen where we met uh, in 88 and 89. And uh, uh, let's see. I'm, I'm, I, I'll read the at home as anything, and then you, you can read the translation. Okay. I went abroad because I wanted to be like everybody else. When I was there, I realized I am totally different. I went abroad to be, if possible, not German at all. When I was there, I realized how German I am. I went abroad to discover as much as possible. What I found was the Franconian in me. Being abroad, I found myself. In the countryside, I find the world. If you don't go away, you won't come home. Yeah, Amen, dialects, Let's hear the dialect, this is uh, like this. Daham bis dort hinaus. Ich bin ins Ausland, weil ich sei hab wollen wie alle anderen. Wie ich dort war, hab ich gemerkt, ich bin ganz anders. Ich bin ins Ausland, um möglichst nicht deutsch zu sein. Wie ich dort war, hab ich gemerkt, wie deutsch das ich bin. Ich bin ins Ausland, um möglichst viel zu davoren. Was ich gefunden hab, war das Fränkische in mir. Im Ausland hab ich mich gefunden. In der Provinz finde ich die Welt. Wer nicht fortfährt, kommt nicht ham. Okay, lastly, I want to ask you, I know that you founded a dialect festival. Uh, I think it's poetry and song and music, isn't it? You founded it. Can you tell us the name of it and what it means? And is it ever, tell how often it occurs and so on? Well, um, that was uh, the first time it was staged in 2016, and its name is Etzadla, which is a dialect word for now. And um, the standard German would be jetzt. And we can uh, make every uh, noun and word smaller, littler in dialect. So uh, jetzt line uh, would be the, the standard German equivalent. And um, it was a festival of literature, yes, poetry, but also theater and uh, comedy, a lot of comedians uh, took part, and music from all walks of life, so to speak, from folk song to rock song to uh, church choir hymns and so on. And we staged it a second time in 2018, and then came Corona and it stopped. But we're going to do that uh, a third time, probably uh, um, uh, 23 or 24, depends on the Corona development, of course. And how many people have come to these festivals? Well, about 2,000, 3,000 people, and uh, it was a two-day two festival, and um, it was, um, it was uh, welcomed in a very, very uh, cordial way, and a lot of people said it was something spectacular and um, something unique, and uh, so uh, we're going to plan another festival uh, simply because dialect needs a stage. If there is a stage, there will be an audience. It's as simple as that. Time to pause for a natural moment with a bit of poetry focusing on our non-human world. 
Today's natural moment poem comes from Shared Spaces, Shared Voices, from a book of postcard poems produced by the Arts Council of Indianapolis. Reverence by Phoenix Cole. The moon is patient, giving honor to the sun. So I do with you. This program would not have been possible without the help of our creators and creatives. Our signature music is composed and performed by Iona Wagner. Off the Bricks appreciates the support of Indiana Humanities and the National Endowment for the Humanities who have made this podcast possible. We release new episodes of Off the Bricks on the third Thursday of each month, so keep an ear out for us. Thank you for joining us, poets and poetry lovers. Good poetry enriches our day and enlightens us about ourselves and the world. Join us again the third Thursday of the month as we bring you poetry off the bricks. 